game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Trade list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and A- A- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Chris Allen of the Dynasty Owner's Manual podcast. And I'm Adam Wildy, and I'll start us off with the foreword. First, we've got T-shirts still available, FF underscore Outfitters on Twitter. That's Justin Barlow. He's been hooking us up. That's straight off Amazon. We know you love that prime. We've also got Best Ball Owner's Manual coming up with Brad Reyes. I cannot wait to get that started. I know everybody's itching for those MFL 10s, that draft. And then lastly, we've got Debbie Owner's Manual absolutely killing it. They dropped their Combine episode the other day, and we'll be talking about Combine today. Yeah, and I think that's really the big thing that everybody's talking about right now with uh, the Combine actually just ending over uh, over this past week. There's so much content that people are putting out right now, and there was no way we couldn't have these two fellas uh, on the show tonight. And Just for everyone to get a peek back behind the curtain, this is the fun part about trying to schedule podcasts and get guests on this particular (laughs) show. So, I mean, we're we're all adults here, and everybody's either got families, we've got wives, we've got jobs, we've got other commitments. So we were actually supposed to do a show with these two gentlemen weeks ago, but because of scheduling conflicts and whatnot, it actually turned out that tonight's actually the best night because with the Combine over... And we have some more pertinent content in front of us. I mean, there was no way that we couldn't get uh, the Dynasty Dummies here in front of us tonight to talk with you folks. So, Zach, Kyle, I mean, first and foremost, thanks again for taking the time for to sit down and actually speak with us about the Combine. And we'll just go ahead and get right into it. So, for somebody that's, uh, let's say, new to Dynasty or for even for some of the veterans uh, that are, you know, maybe five, six, or ten plus years deep into doing Dynasty. Uh, why should we care about the, about this event of the, the guys, the prospects running around in spandex, getting all these times? Why should we care about hand size Twitter, height Twitter now with Kyler Murray? <laughs> why should we even bother to, to care about some of the stuff that we're seeing scrolling across Twitter over the past week or so? Simple answer. You shouldn't. <laughs> Question mark? It doesn't matter? <laughs> yes, another thing. No. It doesn't matter. Combine no, doesn't it, matter. It, Hashtag. It, it does and it doesn't. And I think it's kind of, Zach's going to laugh that it's coming from me, but, you know, I, I hate this term of don't double count. I I think we all know not to double count. I I don't know that we need to be reminded of it anymore. But at the same time, don't put too much weight in in the numbers in the 40 and, and I think that's that's the 40 is really the biggest thing because everyone wants to look at the 40 uh, and how fast did they run a 4-4 or whatever it, it's it's about more of that and and I look at personally I look a lot at the uh, weights and BMIs and then I look at agility and uh, acceleration stuff so your broad jumps and your and your verticals so yeah, it's kind of important, but it, it's more of a real affirmation to what you saw in film. All right, enough of your numbers. Get those, get those out of here. <laughs> the drills at the combine matter because the NFL says they matter, and and the NFL is who's putting on this combine, and the teams care about what guys do in the drill, and it affects draft capital. It affects where guys are drafted in, in rounds. It affects trade ups. It affects trade backs. You know, you've seen guys fall crazy amounts because of the combine. You saw Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. drop to the second round because he, he ran a, a 7-2-7 on, on the three cone. I mean, like, all of this stuff matters. 
because it matters to the NFL. Does it actually matter in terms of football? Probably not as much as they give it credit for, but, but that's, that's why it matters. And for me, it matters because I'm a film guy. And in order to go back and look at film, I have to have some reference point of whether or not I missed something. And there's a, there's a chance. I mean, that happens. I'm, I'm not perfect. Kyle will be the first one to, to tell you that. <laughs> I said the same thing about Adam. It's okay. <laughs> and it is and so that's it. It's, it's, does what I've seen on tape line up with what I'm seeing at the combine? You know, does a guy, uh, is a guy a burner and, and did he run that 40? Is a guy getting open in space with lateral agility and is his three cone and short shuttle good? You know, is he explosive and does he have that, that burst? Is he, is he jumping high in the vertical? Is he doing all the stuff? Plus, you can go back and you can watch these guys do the gauntlet and and that sort of thing. And so you can get kind of a clearer picture of a running back in his hands or a receiver. And is he double catching and that sort of thing? Because you're getting, you know, five or six catches in a row instead of watching film where you might see him make that play once. And I think that's you bring up an important point in that uh, I think the very first thing that you were talking about in that. The way that we value the combine should be at least in some part how the NFL values the combine because if their draft stock is affected by if they don't run fast enough or if they slip up or they drop a pass or they drop a ball during one of the drills, that affects where they're going to go in the draft. That affects how we value them as players and possibly how many reps they're going to get and how quickly they can get integrated into their respective offenses once they're drafted. So it all should matter. But especially for some of the extremes, that's where we kind of get into trouble. And I wanted to get, I mean, since it's still something that I'm seeing across Twitter right now, this the whole issue with DK Metcalf. So now we have this guy, uh, two weeks ago, we were looking at uh, the pictures of him being all rocked up and he just looks <laughs> like this absolute monster. And then he goes out and runs the, the 4340. But his, uh, what was it? Was his three cone? Three was cone that the one that was? Were both bad. Yeah, they were both, were both pretty terrible. So of course, but everybody still goes back to the 4340 time and they want to make the Julio Jones comparisons and all those sorts of things. So when it comes to that, is that where you guys want to try and immediately pump the brakes and say, hold on, there's, there's a lot more that we have to take into account before we start saying DK Metcalf, he's the 101. Write it in pen. I mean, you know, and keep going down that down that rabbit hole. I mean, is that are those are the types of cases where we need to make those compensations for what we see and take everything in totality? I think I think DK is the perfect example of how not to overreact to the combine, mm-hmm. and and we actually went really far down this rabbit hole uh, <laughs> yes, just the other night, <laughs> and and I think it's a great conversation piece because. Uh, Mr. Jake Anderson, the 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 Mr. Metcalf of yeah of the Metcalf fan club. You know, he and I have talked with Zach, and and he and I have talked, and we've we've all had this conversation uh, about Metcalf. But four four three three is is what we expected, and and I think that's really important. If you watched him on film before the combine, if you saw this, you saw elite speed, you saw elite get off and, and release and the ability to track the ball down the field. And so he is going to be a great down the field uh, player. The, the questions about him when before the combine, when you watched him on film was what could he do underneath? What could he do in other parts of the field? And the agility stuff is concerning, but it's not a, a, a it's not a true negative because that's not how he wins. He wins by going down the field, by by being faster than everybody else, by getting off the line faster, by being powerful. Uh, and so the the fourth, it, it all goes together to say the the four three three forty is what we expected. So that shouldn't move him up. Right. The the agility stuff, the the three cone and the shuttle shouldn't really move him down because that's not what we were looking at him for. And if anything, the positive to take away from this is it may make him a little bit of a safer pick in the sense that he might go higher in the NFL draft now. And then therefore, 
is likely to get more of a chance if he doesn't hit immediately. Think Kevin White, that didn't pan out, but he got chance after chance after chance and and wasn't set aside because he wasn't a later pick. Um, you know, some may think that Corey Davis is is not flashing yet, but he's getting those chances year after year so far. Uh we we like Corey Davis, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> no, we, we like, we, John Ross never like got Corey. his chance. Yeah, John Ross keeps getting chances, and I, I think he's I a little bit of a different conversation. He, he got one carry in his first year. He fumbled it and didn't see the ball the rest. Of the year. <laughs> well, he he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and I think that's the, the and, and some of that was was Kevin White's issue too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we don't want to see any of these prospects come in and get hurt and then get hurt and then get hurt. We don't want to see that. Uh, but I do think that the four, three, three will, will move him up some draft boards. And if he ends up going high in the NFL draft, that is a positive in the sense of uh, the draft capital, right? That, that he will get that chance. I will personally, as it stands right now, I will not be taking him one one though. Oh, absolutely not. That's because Nikhil Harry is 101, but <laughs> I digress here because in talking Metcalf, I I was dreading going into the combine. And let me first start by I've been able to toe that line with Jake because I do like Metcalf and I'm not moving him all the way down, you know, behind A.J. Brown, who was more productive than him. I understand that there's some film that can fill that in. So you I mean do, the one-on-one, right? A.J. Brown, that, that A.J. Brown? I'm just clarifying. I want to make sure. <laughs> that one. So when when I saw Metcalf, I'm like, man, he is absolutely going to be in the one-on-one conversation almost uh, exclusively after the combine because of what Kyle mentioned earlier, which is double counting that everyone talks about, but then everybody still does it, in my opinion, because you watch the film and you had, you could have been watching film since the end of the Super Bowl, which is why I don't dig in that much until sometimes even after they've been drafted, because you watch that film so, so much that you get your own confirmation bias when the combine comes around. It's like, man, that guy looks fast on film when he gets that breakaway on. Uh, perfect release against Alabama and goes deep. It's like, he is a freak. And then he goes to the combine. It's like, oh, yeah, he's a freak. And you should shrug because you already established that. But instead, people get this confirmation bias where they did the work. And now it's almost like they're being paid for their work, even though you're not drafting them yet. You just saw that he was fast with underwear and not with pads. <laughs> so... That's where I get like the issue with the double counting because now you have to talk about DK and then one-on-one conversation. And this is being very well said, but I completely disagree with it. People are saying that DK Metcalf is the A-plus ceiling and the B-minus floor, and Nikhil Harry is the A-minus upside and the B-plus floor. And I just don't see that. I see the A-plus ceiling with Nikhil Harry as well. I, and – and the production. So I think even though we don't care about the combine or we shouldn't care too much about the combine, completely agree that the NFL cares, which is why a lot of us could be better than GMs, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But since the NFL cares, people are expecting, you know, Metcalf to jump over Harry and they're just painting the narrative going to the bills and Josh Allen's huge arm. So it's it's just it's really hard to take the combine and care about some things which we're going to talk about today and not care about others. Well, and it's so hard I think not to fall in love with some of these players. You you know, you watch them and you get your eyes on them first and and you see, you know, what's going on with their production and what's going on with their film. And then all of a sudden you see this at the combine and it's, it's really hard not to just be like, yeah, I saw that. That's my guy. That's my, I, you know, I'm it, still it, in love with Samaj P run. Yeah, exactly. Case in point. And, and I mean, look, I was on John Kelly last year. I mean, like you see these guys, but, but I was on John Kelly until he was drafted in the sixth round and he was behind Gurley. And then you've got to step back and say, okay, the NFL is telling me something different and I've got to adjust. So the more information you get, you have to adjust your process. You have to adjust your thinking. And if you're not doing that, you're really missing out. And, and I, I do that not just from the combine perspective, but 
you talk about some of these metrics guys. I mean, you have Peter Howard on here. I mean, he's practically a co-host at this point, I think. Pretty much. And, he tried uh, to actually trade me for a co-host to get to work with Adam. I, 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 I saw that. That was that was the whole co- Adam and Adam and Peter have terrible taste in in cookies, but this, this is, is it's an entirely different. Uh, I feel like we should just turn this topic. into the Girl Scout cookie debate uh, 2.0. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just reignite that whole thing. <laughs> But, but you take, you know, you take, at least I do, numbers from all of these guys, Peter Howard and, and Jesse Reeves and, uh, Frisco Josh, Josh Hermsmeyer and all of these different guys, uh, Jake Rickroad and, and they have a process. They have numbers and, and Kyle does the same thing. I mean, he likes to pretend he's not a metrics guy, but he really is good. He's got the dummy cheat sheet. And so they, have their numbers, they have, uh, their threshold stats and the, the, the stats that people, they want to see from guys and the numbers they want to see from guys in the combine. And I take note of that because if they see something in a player that I'm not seeing, I'm going to go back and see if I see that. No, and I think that's the, the right process that you should take in order to approach looking at that. It should be, to me at least, thinking about it logically, the combine should be more of a, confirmation of what of what you had seen on tape or either through uh, your your metrics or any any analytical process that you had taken up to that particular date now if that doesn't if what you see on the combine doesn't jive with what you, the conclusions you've already made that's where you need to go back readjust look at some of the stuff look at either the metrics or the film again to confirm what you saw or if you saw things correctly or maybe you need to adjust a couple of things and then maybe make a new or come to a new conclusion as to how you value that particular player but i guess the other part to this i guess my question is two parts because we have the one event being the combine but then we just had the senior bowl i mean a few weeks last month so do you guys look at both of those events? Because I think when it comes to the combine and the senior bowl, people really love like looking at the combine and seeing all the information, the metrics, the times, the sizes and all that that come out of the combine. But when it comes to the senior bowl, for me at least, it seems like a lot of scouts, a lot of beat writers, uh, and a lot of those the, the media presence hones in on the senior bowl to actually see some of those players and their technique. So is it more of a, would the film guys get more out of watching the Senior Bowl, hearing about the Senior Bowl, and maybe that's it just caters to that particular crowd and we just don't get too much of that? I guess, could you guys, do you guys have an understanding or feeling as to why we seem to, I guess, favor the Combine over the Senior Bowl? I would say that the Senior Bowl is much more important for NFL teams than it is for us for... We get something tangible out of the combine. We don't out of the senior bowl because we don't know what's being called. If, if they had behind the scene information happening from the senior bowl as it was all going on and you knew what the play calls were and you knew everything, you could get more out of it. Uh, and it's, it's just like, uh, you'll hear people talk about they can't really, uh, scout offensive line play because you don't know what the blocking assignments are. It, there's a lot of truth to that in any game. And even looking at film on, on the, some of these college players, you don't know exactly what their assignment is. So you're making kind of a, a, a best guess as to what you think they were supposed to do and then how they reacted to that. Uh, did that running back take the right hole? Now, going back to the senior bowl, I the NFL teams that are involved in coaching those games, I think it's extremely important for them because they get hands-on experience with those players. Uh, they get to coach those players and work with those players, and they get to interact with them. From from our side of things, we don't get any of that information. So I think it is really tough. It, it's nice to watch. It's nice to see some of these players, and and sometimes you get some names out of it. And and you go, okay, this is a guy I need to go take a, a look at. I haven't yet, or I need to take a deeper look at. Um, it, versus going back to the combine, you, you get tangible numbers out of the combine, so it's something you can actually work with. You also have drills that you know exactly what's supposed to happen in that drill. The receiver's supposed to run out, turn right, catch the ball, you know, do whatever. You know what they're gonna, what they're supposed to do, and you see it from player after player after player. And so, 
as a TV watcher, as a, a fantasy guy who's sitting on my couch watching this, I can actually make a true judgment from that. The thing I love about the Senior Bowl and the, the, the kind of the all-star bowl games at the, at the end of the college season is Kyle kind of touched on it. You get names and you get some of these small school guys. You get to see Andy Isabella. You get to see West Hills. You get to see guys that play in small conferences, play on teams where they're obviously head and shoulders above the rest of the players on their team and in their conference. You get them lined up against legit competition. You get them lined up against the best of the best. And so you see Andy Isabella for the first time compete against guys who have potential to play in the NFL. You see Wes Hills run against guys who have potential to be in the NFL. And so that for me is pretty valuable because you're hearing names and you're also seeing whether or not a guy can compete at the next level. And then the other part of it is it's just another chance to get looks at some of these guys. The more reps you see, the more you see them run routes, the more you see them, you know, uh, pick a, pick a hole, make a move, you know, and, and put on the jets, the better. And, and so that's, that for me is the, the more information I'm never going to poo poo information. I'm, I'm never going to just dismiss it. I'm going to take in everything I possibly can. So then fast forwarding this to, so now we've had, the Senior Bowl, obviously, Combine, obviously. So then the next step is are the, are the pro days. So we're going to see more of Kyler Murray. Hopefully, uh, I think for some of the running back enthusiasts, uh, Hollyfield gets a chance to redo uh, and maybe improve yeah. on, on his Combine performance. Oh, yeah, but I, but that's where, I, that's where I kind of wanted to take that particular question. So when it comes to pro days, is it really more of you only care about – I guess double checking some of the players that didn't really meet your thresholds or your expectations for the combine or are are you going into or are you going into the pro days with any sort of other expectations is there more information than you're looking for or if a player's already checked all the boxes from the combine you're good you're just waiting for the NFL draft I I love the pro days myself um because you have a lot of different things going on. You have a lot of these players won't do all the drills for whatever reason at the combine. And sometimes like an AJ Brown will go back to Ole Miss and do his agility uh, tests where he didn't at the combine. And so now, now you have those numbers and for the sake of the, the cheat sheet that we do, it gives me a complete score. So I love it from that side of things. But I also, a guy like Holyfield, I think is a great example where he might've just had an off day. He doesn't look like a guy that runs four seven eight. So if he comes out to a pro day and he runs a, a faster speed, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at that and I'm gonna factor that in. Now, when we talk about these times, we need to adjust the times a little bit. So in, in the case of like a forty, you add uh, I believe off the top of my head, it's a point zero five to that kind of normalizes it with the combine. And we need to keep that kind of stuff in mind that the hand timing that they do at pro days isn't always quite as accurate as the laser timing that they do at the combine. And so when a guy goes out and he runs a four, two, maybe, maybe that's not right. And we need to adjust it or, or look that that might be out of the range of, of reality. Uh, but I do like that. It gives a lot of these guys a second chance. And then the smaller school guys that didn't get an invite to the combine, you mentioned West Hills didn't get invited not a not a major guy on my radar, but I'd still like to see the numbers. And so, you know, I'll be looking for his pro day numbers to uh, to to get a little bit of an idea. Yeah, and that's that for me is the real big one. I mean, you you mentioned the the guys who didn't do all the testing. That's fine. Will you get those numbers? You can relay what that means to me because I don't math. But it's the guys that didn't get an invite. It's uh, I'm going to be really focused in uh, on on the 22nd of this month. Eastern Michigan is doing their pro day and they've got a guy coming up to work out at their pro day named Trey Brock, who's played in the same conference as Ashton Doolin. He's 6'3". He was almost as productive uh, in terms of percentage of his offense as Doolin was. He was more productive counting stats. And it's guys like that that I'm really excited about. I need to tell everyone listening a secret right now. I have heard the name Trey Brock more in the last few weeks than any other name I've ever heard out of Zach. So what you need to know is this guy is very much on Zach's radar 
keep an eye on him. I, I got the well, so I got Ashton Doolin from all the all the numbers guys. Yeah, because Ashton Doolin's you know his his market share popped and and all of that stuff. And then, and obviously he came in and ran a pretty good forty. He was uh, under four five. He was like what four 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 three or something like that. He was a, yeah. he's fast. I watched this film and the first game I watched of Ashton Doolin. Trey Brock had 170 yards and two touchdowns in the first half. <laughs> and I'm just watching this guy. I'm like, I'm supposed to be watching Ashton Doolin, who's fine, but he's not using his speed unless they're handing him the ball off or, or hitting him on a bubble screen. Like, he's not doing anything, you know, on his routes. He's, he's not his, – his breaks aren't great, that sort of thing. But I'm watching Trey Brock just eat up, the, you know, the, the other team. And I'm like, man, this guy – and so – yeah, he's kind of a, a, a pet project of mine, and I'm interested to see if he gets any run. It's I me; mean, he's a long shot. It's it's kind of that Adam Thielen story. Like it's it's yeah. there's not a great chance that he hits, but if he does well at his pro day, somebody takes notice. All of a sudden, you see his name drafted in the sixth or seventh round. Ping! The radar goes off. Mark tape. Uh, Trey Brock is going to be the next Adam Thielen. <laughs> I mean, you just heard it. So it, that, when he doesn't are, become are Adam me, Thielen, yeah. I mean, you have that. to hold got, it against him. I got Trey Brock as Adam Thielen. I got uh, Alex Barnes as Emmett Smith. What else have I said this year? I, I don't even like comps at all. And you're throwing out the best of them. I mean, people have been downloading this show forever. I mean, just to hear that hot take. You know, I was looking for something that was I found pretty interesting the other day, and it was tweeted by David Johnson. And he said, you all think the combine numbers correlate to NFL production? He's asking. And somebody just posts his combine numbers and said, it certainly did with you. You crushed the combine. And David Johnson responded, touche, but I believe the senior bowl helped me out much more. Now, that's quite interesting, but he also ended up still being a third-round pick. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I believe so. Uh, you know, I'd be really interested, and I don't know the answer off the top of my head, but uh, I believe that Arizona may have been involved in coaching uh, the senior bowl that year. Uh, I would be extremely interested to know if they were for certain, but I, I almost think that they were. And, and that goes back to what I was saying that you could have a guy like David Johnson work with a coach from Arizona and all of a sudden become very, very much on their radar because they had an opportunity to work with him. Sure. Or it, it doesn't even have to be that Arizona worked with him. Maybe Arizona was on the other side of the field or they just, they have some connections there. They're able to get a little information. There's a lot of different stuff there. But again, I think, and, and, and that's a great point, but I think it's much more important for the NFL just because we don't get that information, unfortunately. Right. There's a lot of information we don't get as fantasy guys. Well, and wasn't the rumor that, that Arizona was on Abdullah? I mean, they wanted to take Amir Abdullah and, and, and ended up having to settle for David Johnson. Same thing with the Redskins getting guys when uh, Lions traded in front of them to take carry on. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about the drills a little bit earlier and kind of we hit really quickly on what kind of matters and what doesn't matter. I, I kind of want to go through the drills real quick, and I just want you guys to tell us what the drills translate to on film. When we see these guys run these fast 40s, I mean, does it matter? Or do these running backs really ever get those 40-yard breakaways very often anyways i look much closer at the your explosion numbers for running backs uh so your your broad jump and your vertical i i feel that that is much more important for a running back um and and you kind of alluded to it there's not a lot of times that that 40 speed really comes into play in the nfl unless they get that breakaway and and in, in the nfl those breakaway home run hits don't happen all that often. It's great when they do. Uh, Saquon Barkley takes it to the house, and all of a sudden you have a highlight reel for NFL Network the next day. But we don't see that a lot in the NFL. You see that a lot in college. So your running backs aren't hitting that top end speed that much. Uh, a guy like DK Metcalf, it is important to, to kind of go back to that a little bit within the context of if he's a deep threat, which which he profiles as, but we already knew he was fast. Yeah, it, it depends on the, the type of player. Running backs, you want to see under 4'6", 
But for me, it's a lot more about uh, the 10-yard split on their 40-yard dash, not necessarily the 40 time, because it's that initial explosion. Same thing, I mean, Kyle talked about the explosive drills. I, I also uh, am looking at short shuttle. I'm looking at the, the three-cone, because that's side-to-side. Side. That's that's the wiggle. And you kind of have to look at, for me, uh, how a guy plays on film. So we talked about Alex Barnes this week, and – I said that he really had this this quick, almost a slide step. It wasn't a, a jump cut that you see a lot of running backs have, but he's very elusive. And a lot of people watch his film and say, uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have that that quick twitch that that move in the in the hole. He does. It's it's subtle. But then watching the combine and watching his you know him do the agility drills, it really reaffirmed that man. That's what I saw. He has that. You know, same thing with the receivers. If if you're talking about a guy, you know, DK going and creating separation deep, you got to have that speed. If you're talking a guy like Isabella, if you're talking a guy like Renfro, it's that the agility, it's that it's that short shuttle, it's the three cone because they're coming up and making a stem at the top of their route. You know, seven, ten, twelve yards, maybe max, and relying on that quickness, that explosion off of that to create separation not their speed down the field. And so it really does translate, you know, positionally, but it doesn't translate. It's not like carte blanche, like one drill translates for everybody. Uh, the the gauntlet is something that we didn't mention. I just wanted to mention that a little bit too, because I'm really weird in particular about catching. I'm not <laughs> yeah. very cool about it, but it drives me nuts when people aren't catching with their hands because this, this, it always goes back to DK with me for some reason, but He's he's so strong and so fast, and I get that. But on the next level, he's not going against slouches. I mean, he's going to be up against Darius Slay. He's going to be up against Xavier Howard, Xavier Rhodes. Like, these guys aren't chumps. So I really want to see – and he does high point the ball good. He's just – he's a freak. So I wanted to mention that, like, there's freaks at the cornerback position too next year. Um, DK caught pretty well. I did joke with Jake that he did double clutch a ball, but he, he he caught okay. But I really wanted to see some of those guys like uh, Hunter Renfro did not look exceptional yeah. to me. And I thought he was supposed to have uh, some pretty sticky hands. But <laughs> he, he looked like he uh, should have been delivering pizzas at, at the combine. He did not look like a, an NFL player. And, and I kind of liked him on film a little bit. So the gauntlet matters a little bit, too, because in my mind, that's simulating what you're actually going to do in a real game. Yeah, I, I, and I'm actually I'm really surprised you didn't bring it up, Zach. But I think all of the drills where they're catching, uh, mm. even the quarterback drills, it, it drives me crazy. They they show at the bottom of the screen they show the quarterback's name and they not don't the, receiver. Tell the receiver. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I think it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Uh, oh no, it isn't. Nope. Uh, oh crap. Um, <laughs> I think those all of those drills are so important, and yeah. it's hard. We open the show with we're all adults and we all have a lot going on. It's hard to sit there and watch every single one of those, but I tried to watch as many as I could to to get an idea of the the short catching, um, how smooth running backs are coming out of the the backfield catching, uh, and then you had like the the deep bombs that which were actually part of the quarterback drills. Um, you know, can how how's the tracking? Uh, are they are they basket catching or are they actually actively going after it? Uh, so yeah, there's a ton going on in the combine that you can that you can get out of it beyond just how fast is their forty. I, I think my favorite is that little like ten yard out with the toe drag swag at the end. That's because you see guys who've been working on their feet, which is something as a college player you're not necessarily thinking about unless you're preparing for that next level. And uh, I guess uh, going back just a little bit, when it comes to some of those agility drills, I mean. In years past, can you guys think of any current veterans or current players rather that you saw going through the combine that you knew based off their drills that they would, that they were going to be hits? Like, did you see, uh, Stefan Diggs coming, uh, you know, coming, going through the combine or even, uh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, man. Cooper Cup was a guy that people killed because he was productive with a small school. His 40 time wasn't great. But then you looked at what he did, again, the agility drills, and 
aside from a guy like Jarvis Landry, who's another guy who got killed for the same thing. I mean, Jarvis Landry came out and he had, ran a four six one forty. Mm-hmm. But his agility drills, and I know it was raining, and I know like whatever, that's fine. Like he, but he, he came out and did the agility drills, and that's how he gets open. And it was the same thing watching Cooper Cup. I'm like, this guy. I mean, you can go. It's on the Dynasty Dummies website. You can go read my Cooper Cup write up from a couple years ago, and I'm like, this guy is legit. Mm-hmm. You're going to call him a slot receiver, and that's fine because he's going to be a next level slot receiver. And looking at this, so now, so we're through the combine, we're through, I mean, most of the, the big news now with just the pro days yet to, to be upon us. So with that being said, who's shifted for you guys, either up or down? I mean, who's, how, have there been any significant changes in your rankings since the combine? I, I think we had to drop down Elijah Holyfield. Uh, as as much as it hurt, uh, we had we had some concerns about him, but we liked him as a runner. Um, and this, this is another guy that we we talked about probably a little too much in our last show. Uh, <laughs> he's a guy that I will continue to watch, and uh, he, while he has to go down in the rankings, I might be trying to sneak late, late, late in in rookie drafts uh, if if he if he makes a team in any capacity. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely a handful of these guys that have shifted. We were already very high on Miles Sanders, but I, I was just going to ask about him too. I think he moved up even more. Uh, I, I, I haven't solidified any, any ranks personally. Uh, I really, I don't fully commit to my ranks until after the, until after the draft. I, I just start putting them in areas and Sanders was kind of, if we go with tiers, he was kind of, straddling a tier and he's he's right up there at the top now with the with the uh the other big names you should try uh throwing a ranking out on twitter it's a lot of fun no no i mean no it isn't never there's never any backlash nobody ever has any negative words to say about people's (laughs) rankings on twitter it's just all great it's therapeutic really yeah that's like my uh, my posse went after uh, a couple of guys. I just stood back and like let it go. It was it was pretty funny. Uh, I can't say the disrespect though because if you went through the trouble of rankings, you obviously did more work than the random troll that just decided to tell you that wow. your rankings suck. And it, and it's not even I'm mean, like my rankings before the draft are not even a ranking. They're just this is what I saw on film. Right. And this is how I rated their film. And so it's, it's not really a ranking because I don't have enough information. I just have me. And uh, look, I'm not relying on just me. So why should I expect somebody else to rely on just me? You know, Zach, at um, the end of the day, it, it was a Jets fan. <laughs> you talk about combine numbers. The combine number that dropped the guy for me was five foot seven. Greg Dortch came in at five foot seven and change, and I I loved what he did on film. But it's so hard to be an NFL player at that size. I mean, I can't really think of. I guess Tyree Kill might have been five eight. They list him at five ten, but I think he was five eight at a mm-hmm. at a pro day. Um, I mean, who who else? Tommy Lee Lewis. I mean, Taylor Gabriel's pretty short, but yeah, he's not. Yeah, I was going to say Gabriel. Uh, how tall is Switzer? But but they're all I mean well wow, Switzer's not really a burner but yeah. but those guys are those guys are yeah. burners and and Dorch I don't think is I think Dorch is probably closer to that prototypical slot receiver getting open with quickness and savvy and it's man it's going to be hard with some of the more physical the bigger corners the stronger corners if you're five seven even if you make a great move there you know a guy's got enough length to get around you deflect the ball then it's a tip drill now you're in trouble. You know, I've been thinking a lot about Holyfield since I listened to your episode. And as dumbfounded as you guys feel towards his performance at the Combine, do you almost just say, well, it doesn't matter, he's fast on film? I mean, if he was that fast on film, does it matter that he ran his 40 that slow? Well, but I I think you also have to take into account, you know, the offensive line he's running behind, uh, what the other guys in his offense are doing. And, you know, again, he didn't catch the ball at all. So that immediately for me, I mean, it's not for everybody. I know a lot of people like the the prototypical, you know, the Adrian Peterson type running backs, and that's fine. I don't begrudge Mm -hmm. you that at all. That's not my bag. I I like guys who catch the ball. And so I tentatively had – Holyfield in my top 10 
now all of a sudden you look at his his you know the combine and look at what he did physically and you're going okay well if i don't have the physical numbers if i don't have the the pass catching ability that's not a guy i'm really interested in at all let's take this kind of full circle again we said earlier that the combine is important to nfl teams mm-hmm. my big concern here is that 478 may drop him True. Maybe out of the draft altogether, or maybe he's a seventh round pick or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's losing, unless he comes up to a pro day, it comes out that he was injured at the combine. He comes out, does a pro day, and runs something uh, in like the four fives. Mm-hmm. He, he's falling down NFL draft boards. I would have to imagine. I don't know. I'm not in one of the war rooms, but I, I'm just guessing. And so now I'm really concerned about, I'm not going to take him. What was probably going to be a second round rookie pick, mm-hmm. I'm pro- I'm not going to take him there now. If if what I'm envisioning at this stage plays out, where he goes much later in the NFL draft, has none of that that draft capital, uh, and it is a little bit of an afterthought. But but going back to what you brought up, I don't see a guy who runs that slow, and so that's why I'm putting a star next to his name. Um, I'm writing his name down on a sticky note and sticking it up on the wall, and I'm, I'm keeping an eye on where he's going. As other people may start to forget about him, may see that four seven eight, take him off the board altogether, forget about him, move on. I'm going to keep him around in my thoughts, and and maybe as a fifth round pick, maybe as a just a, a waiver wire pickup. A, a, at the very least, he's going to get the watch list click, and and I'll be paying attention to what happens with him. Now, the last thing that we wanted to do was just a quick exercise. We're going to have to just do one player due to time, but I want to take a player from each of you and uh, just kind of discuss what about their combine uh, moved them up or down since we just said there was a little bit of movement and, you know, one of them was Elijah Holyfield. There's just somebody that their combine just kind of stood out to you so that we can kind of show the listeners the process that they're going through when they're watching the combine. Kyle, you're going to take Paris Campbell or my? I'll step up. I'll let you start out with him. I'm actually still <laughs> trying to decide who I who I want to talk about. So Paris Campbell was a guy. I mean, if if you listen to our show, if you listen to uh, the Dynasty Crossroads, I uh, I guessed it on there, uh, and I I uh, twisted I Peter, with Peter twisted Peter Howard's arm to talk about Paris Campbell because I I know that he wasn't a fan uh, because he didn't have the market share numbers, but it was a guy on film that I watched who. You know, obviously possessed speed, although he didn't always use it because they weren't using him vertically. I, th- I think Travis May had a stat where uh, he'd never had a ball that w- had more than 12 air yards under it. Like he was never thrown to that far down the field. So he he played slot, but I was excited to see what what the combine would bring. And all of a sudden you see him come out with a 4 3 you see him with a 40-inch vertical. You see him with a 135 broad. You know, you see him at, a, at just above a four. It was like a 4.02 short shuttle, like all of these things. And so you're sitting there going, okay, speed checks the box. Burst checks the box. Agility checks the box. Okay, all of that stuff. Plus, watching him on film, and I, I said this before on our show, he is one of the only receivers I've ever said has contact balance when he's got the ball. He catches the ball, and then he becomes a running back, and he'll absorb contact and then keep going. And if a guy doesn't make that initial tackle, 4-3-1, bang, he's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to to uh, Alex Barnes. You know, we, we brought him up a little bit before, but he is a guy that – Pretty much equaled in in my dummy cheat sheet. Pretty much equaled Nick Chubb as far as a physical score. Um, and I'm not saying he's Nick Chubb. I'm not making that comparison. He actually he scored a, a, a hair higher than Chubb. So it's not a comparison score, but it's a it's a physicality. And and I I mentioned earlier, but in the, in the case of the running backs, BMI and explosiveness are extremely important in this scoring. Uh, it, it's weighted kind of heavily towards those. Uh, and so you've got a guy here that was kind of on the radar. He was out there, showed up at the combine and, and obliterated everything but the 40, you could say the, the 40 ran a, a, a four, five, nine. 
sub four six though. Sub four six, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's that's that hits the threshold that we want. He came in over the thirty BMI, hits the threshold that we want, and then just crushed the agility and the explosion. Uh, and so going back to what we just said with uh, with Holyfield, you may now have a guy that might have been a sixth seventh undrafted uh, priority free agent uh, type of player coming from a small school, a little bit off the radar, that because he had such a great combine performance, teams will pay attention to him a little bit more. And I'm not saying he's going to go in the first round. I'm not saying he's going to go in the second round. But maybe he gets a third, fourth round pick and has a legit shot at probably starting out a part of a committee and maybe works up towards more. You know, not a... If you're a Damian Williams owner, be afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he w- he would be excellent there. Absolutely, Kansas City would be a perfect spot for him. Uh, he's you saw in the in the gauntlet and in other pass catching drills. Uh, he is very smooth catching, uh, and, and so kind of checking all these boxes and moving up draft boards. I believe again. Not in the war rooms. I don't have any inside information there, but I just kind of I, I take the information I can and I say, well, it would make sense that if I'm an NFL team, I'm going to start paying attention to this guy now. Uh, and and now they can go back and they can look at the film, they can look at the uh, the production, and and it starts to really create a a, a picture for them. So Alex Barnes is is moving up. It's it's dependent on the NFL draft and how that plays out, but right now he's moved up. So uh, this is just really quick just to throw this in, and because I've heard his name thrown out quite a bit, and I'm still trying to figure out how to approach him for for this draft, and of course the, the NFL draft will really, uh, I guess, that'll be the final judgment as to what we'll do with him as, a, as the dynasty community, but what are you guys doing with Ashton Doolin? I, I guess <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm really struck as to... His his production, but then if you factor in him coming from a, a university that I, I had to look up to make sure that it was real, uh, <laughs> how do you how do you guys marry those two? I guess conflicting uh, pieces of information when you see a guy that I mean, one he showed well at the combine. His production numbers are I guess you know, the hit most of the thresholds we would want, but then it's if you watch the tape. And then you see what what type of competition he was up against. I guess there's a conflict there. So how do you guys approach other types, or how have you approached uh, prospects like that in the past? Let me spin it around on you. How would you approach if Cordero Patterson was in this draft right now? Oh, that's a good point. Okay, because I think realistically, what you're looking at for a ceiling, a ceiling, is a kick returner. Yeah. That, that has some upside as a kick returner and then gets on the field as a, and I know the Patriots used Patterson kind of creatively this year. And but that's did, the best outcome for him, right? That is the absolute best, right? That he gets some of those uh, generating plays, those targeted plays where it, the entire play is designed around getting him the ball in space and, and, and going with it. And, and Tavon Austin plays. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, Really, that's the ceiling for him, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't think he's polished enough in any way, and he, he didn't come out and burn. Uh, he ran okay, but he didn't burn in any sense, so he's not really dropping himself into the, hey, I'm really, really fast category, so you should draft me and, and take a, a, a flyer on me there. So... Would you overextend yourself to go after, knowing what you know from Cordero Patterson or Tavon Austin today, knowing that you're going to get that career arc as a absolute ceiling, and the floor is Moritz Bowinger out of the league <laughs> and and just doesn't really do anything, unfortunately. I bring his name up all the time because I, I really <laughs> wanted to see him hit. I, I really liked him. Um, he's he's that small school guy that you you, you wanted to to do it, but it's, it's Mobo Fomo. You know? There you go. <laughs> I like that. But uh, I'm I'm kind of aghast though that you didn't know 
Malone University. Malone wasn't on your radar? No. I mean, that, I mean, that, I, I that's a powerhouse. I mean, they're churning out guys. <laughs> no, like, and no, I had to look it up. They, I, when, they shut the program down. It was so so much of a powerhouse. Well, because right? I, I, and and the only reason I watched Ashton Doolin tape is because Miguel Chapton and Peter Howard both had him on their list, and I've got the I've got Peter Howard's little market share thing, and and it was because. You know, he had two seasons over 50% market share. He ended up with a, almost a 43% market share for his career. So, okay, you've got my attention. So I went and watched, and they did a lot of bubble screens. They did a lot of running him in, you know, in the backfield jet sweep, that sort of thing. And when he was asked to actually create separation, he was not quick enough with his breaks to give enough cushion, and granted, his quarterback is not going to be an NFL level quarterback, but you still got to give him a chance to get you the ball without the defender being in between you. And he wasn't quick enough that way to, to, you know, to provide that cushion, to provide that window for a guy to throw in. I'm with Kyle. Like he was really impressive. Kick returns, the four game or three games that I found, I found three full games and. Two of them, he returned the first kickoff past the past the other team, past the fifty, like to the other forty. Mm-hmm. The other time he was like to the fifty, and then the rest of the time the other teams were like, "We're either going to pooch kick it or we're going to kick it out of bounds. You can have it at your forty. How with giving it to you at our forty? Like we're right. we're going to save it. That may be his role in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. valuable in the NFL. I mean, you we're don't tell anybody this. We're Patriots fans. <laughs> so we've got the we've got the Belichick the all three phases of the game and special teams matters just as much in the NFL as offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Ashton Doolin is going to be a guy who can provide a spark. Special teams, not for your fantasy team, I don't think. Well, right. kick return has mattered. Uh, if the NFL has anything to do with it, then they're they're trying to get rid of that. Yeah, and they're yeah. working more and more towards that. I thought you were talking about our first our first home league together, where the the kick return points were just unbelievable, and, and you wanted all of the all of the returners. <laughs> Such an amazing league! Before we knew anything, we, we we created a league and just went crazy on the settings. And uh, yeah, um, cribs, baby, cribs, Joshua cribs. <laughs> and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the guy Pastor? from the Bears? Yeah, 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 thank you. Uh, those are the guys that own. Those were the two guys that won you the league. Oh my and it was funny. Like Kyle and I were there. We had ten other guys in the league, and Kyle and I were the the two that figured it out first. Like we, it was completely by accident. Somebody right. else had set up the league, and we were like, "Oh, kick returners." And then he and I are like waiver wire going back and forth trying to get the trying to get <laughs> the dropped, kick returners. We dropped pretty much every other skill position <laughs> player and just grabbed all the kick returners. Wow. Now, before Chris kicks us out of here, I wanted to uh, add that I, I love market share data and, and I love the analytics side of things. I think I like concrete evidence a little bit more because I don't think I trust myself quite as much watching the film. But what worries me about market share data from small schools is like uh, – so when I played football in eighth grade, I played tight end and I would catch about 16 passes a game. We had 12 kids on our team. And I was about the only one that could catch the football. So when you go look at Malone University, they're not very good. And if you remember playing football, especially in high school, when you had that one kid that was just dominant, your coach just fed them the ball nonstop. I mean, the other kids on the team were like, man, parents are calling in trying to get their kids the ball at that point. So that was – that was kids' parents from Malone University calling <laughs> the coach to tell him to stop giving action dueling the ball. This is why I bring up Moritz Boehringer because if if you remember, you go back to him if you had watched it. I mean, they showed those highlights during the draft when he was drafted oh. of him just running circles around everybody the else in the field. National League. <laughs> I mean, when you ha- you're you're exactly right. When you have one guy on a team that's just head and shoulders above everyone else, who's uh, who's the tight end, the six eight tight end, Shaheen. Uh, no, oh, no, oh, in this in this draft, yeah, yeah. Donald uh, Parham. Parham. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you're just bigger than everybody else, you're gonna win. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're right about market share, but I think even the maybe the bigger message to it, the more important message is, don't rely on one data set. Yeah, spread your wings, look at everything. Uh, you know, and and this goes back to our our whole philosophy of we are dummies, so don't just listen to us. 
everybody out there, to some extent, is a dummy. I'm putting quotations around that. Don't just listen to one person. Look at everything that you can. Uh, and Zach, I think you might have gotten this quote from somebody, but it, it goes along the lines of uh, using this number just limits the amount that you'll fail, and then using this limits the amount that you'll fail some more. I mean, you can do that more justice yeah, than I can. Yeah. No, it's it's yeah, it's it's just you're you're mitigating all of the guys who are or analytics guys or numbers guys are just mitigating the the chance of failure. I mean, if you're you know, you get a, a threshold stat that says, Okay, these guys succeed twenty six percent of the time, that's better than somebody who doesn't have that threshold stat. And it's just mm. I mean it, Peter Howard says it probably best when he says, Why would you ever ignore information? We just just take it in from everywhere. And that's that's part of the, I mean, the thing, I, we love this show. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a listener from the very beginning. And I know Adam, you and I have talked about this. I said the very first time I listened, I was working at the shipyard. I was on the, the, the aft end of the, a destroyer, uh, painting out some VLSs and, and listening to your show and thinking, this is exactly it. You guys are taking you know, guys who have a particular focus, uh, a particular area of expertise, you're bringing them in, you're listening to them. And not only are you guys gaining that knowledge, but you're sharing it with everybody. And that's just, oh, it's beautiful. I love it. And that's what we try and do here on the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. And so with that, I mean, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming and sitting down with us tonight. I think the, I mean, we could probably go for at least another hour uh, going through as many <laughs> prospects and just like historical aspect of how you guys like go through some of these, uh, some of these prospects and whatnot. Uh, but before we get you guys out of here, I mean, please share with us, uh, any upcoming shows or any content that you guys have planned in the near future, uh, things that folks can look for once they go follow you. Shout out your Twitter handles, pimp as much content as you want. And the floor is yours, gentlemen. <laughs> we, uh, we have a lot of ideas right now and, uh, well, again, as you opened it up, we're adults and not a lot of time and, and things are getting messy. Uh, we introduced a new show recently called the Dummy Roundtable and we desperately want to do that again. It's just been brutal trying to find the time, but, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to continue that. Uh, that's getting six people on the same schedule. <laughs> you thought four was bad. Um, we most likely, We'll be doing, and we did it last year. We'll most likely be doing the, uh, night two of the NFL draft, uh, a live show around that. That was a lot of fun last year. So we are efforting towards making that happen on our end. But, uh, other than that, weekly we do the Dynasty Dummies show and, uh, yeah, just search Dynasty Dummies. So we're pretty much everywhere where you can listen to a podcast. And, uh, of course you can find us on Twitter at Dynasty Dummies. Um, my Twitter handle's at Caleb Rack. Yeah, we'd be remiss, though, if we didn't mention uh, that eventually the Blitz will return with uh, J. Mike, who uh, who is uh, our third dummy, and he is fantastic. I don't know if you listened to that show in season, but it was 15 minutes in your face of absolutely everything that you could possibly want to know during the week. And he for me is one of my most valuable dynasty assets. Uh, a guy I lean on a lot because he asks the questions that makes everybody else think. And that is invaluable. It's amazing. So he's at J Mike check. I'm at tacit assassin 13. Um, and to hop on, oh, I forgot the, the dynasty dummies website. I got like 7,000, 8,000 words on rookies. If you want to know what I thought and, and, Maybe take some information from that. Make fun of me, whatever you want. I mean, have fun, but that's on the Dynasty Dummies website. You you said J Mike's the third dummy. Realistically, he's the best dummy. Oh, easy, um, easy. Yeah. Not even uh, close. Yeah, don't don't tell him that though. That might go to his head. Uh, we also, hopefully, if I can find a few minutes to finish it, uh, we should have the dummy cheat sheet hitting the website here soon as well. Uh, if you don't know what that is, go to the website right now and you can see last year's version and you can see how, uh, guys like Saquon scored. And or if you such. look at two years ago, you can see Kyle gave you Kittle. Ooh. Ooh. Wherever you, wherever you wanted to take him. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. I like it. Okay. So before, again, thanks gentlemen. And then Adam. 
do we have anything else for the folks before we get out of here tonight? Yeah, I hope all the listeners just heard me whisper cheat sheet because I can't wait. To, Kyle, you've been promising <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> your whole life. <laughs> Finish the cheat sheet. So I've been listening to Dynasty Dummies. They're the first podcast that I listened to when I got into the to the podcast scene. I mean, I, I'd been in fantasy for years, but when I started taking in information, Dynasty Dummies were the first ones. And I, I'd go back and forth, dummies and nerds. That's how I remembered it <laughs> between the episodes. But um, you guys you guys have been doing great work. I, I'm so thankful for you guys coming out. And uh, we've also got, you know, our guys at Owner's Manual doing great work. we got the Best Ball Owner's Manual coming out. We told you about that. Brad Reyes is going to do a great job. Debbie Owner's Manual just did the Combine episode. So now that you've got some practical application for the Combine, go ahead and uh, head over there and get a little bit more, a uh, little bit more direct player insight there. Uh, don't forget about the T-shirts, FF underscore Outfitters. You can find me at APWILDE. And also today, I thought that the first playoff tiebreaker was. Um, Head to head, and it is in fact strength of schedule. So, Ed, you were right. Okay. All right. So, then for the Dynasty Dummies, thanks again, gentlemen. For Adam, I'm Chris Allen at Chris Allen FFWX on Twitter. We thank you guys for coming out, and we'll catch you guys next week. The books, kid, read this pamphlet called the Dynasty Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic. Owner's Manual. It's automatic. Dynasty. It's automatic.